with five seconds. He's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's Wilder with yes, a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it. Here's Kupak. Gives off to Amos. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's Jordan back to kick. It's blocked again. Picked up. It'll be a touchdown, Carolina, for Bracey Walker. He blocks his second punt and scores his second touchdown of the season. It's 14 to 13. Mr. Jordan meet Mr. Walker. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. Hey guys, and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta with you guys as always, and I'm joined by Josh Marlowe. Yeah, it's been a little bit, but he's still around, and uh, yeah, we're still doing this thing. Uh, you know, we, we close in on spring, believe it or not, somewhat right around the corner here, uh, just about three months away now, just under three months away until the spring game. So spring camp will start up a little bit earlier than that. So I'm assuming that the excitement is starting to build a little bit for you. I understand it's still basketball season, and of course, we still do the Roy's Boys podcast. But, you know, football, I think uh, for the first time in a while, is starting to creep into people's minds in the middle of January. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely started to think about it a little bit, you know, fully engaged in basketball season, um, really looking forward to baseball season, and then, then of course, there's football. <laughs> Good one. So, Good one. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the first time since the 11-3 and three year that in January there's positive energy around the program. Right. Um, well, and remember that year we were coming off a 6-7 and seven season, so really... Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I guess going into 2016, maybe a little, but again, we were going through, you know, another quarterback battle. People were still questioning if Larry Fedora could win big games. So, yeah, I mean, it's this is, uh, there seems to be a lot of excitement, though. I mean, Lee Pace wrote an article today for GoHeels.com, um, and he said this is the most excitement he's seen in a long, long time. It's Jacqueline. simply the Mac Brown effect. It's the big right. reason why you hired him. Was because no matter what, there's going to be something maybe coming out every day about Carolina football that is very minor, like let's say the spring game, which we'll get right. to later. But right. Mac Brown, who the game passed him by and all this other crap, understands what it could be used for. And so even with the minor stuff, there's just a lot of positive energy. He's re-energized really the whole campus with you know, some other coaches talking about the vibe that they've seen with him hosting recruits and stuff like that. Right. So this is one again the the positive things of getting Mac Brown to take the job. Yeah, old grandpa is up there whooping <clears throat> some ass on the recruiting trail right now. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But you know, Mac gets his staff finalized uh, just before the meeting that they had on Thursday. Of course we will, you know, we we will all remember Tim Cross with the emotional speech, let's get this work. Really pumped the guys up, so that seemed to be, uh, you know, a successful first meeting. But right before that, he gets the staff finalized, so everybody is in place. 
And we'll go through the guys here in just a minute. But I first want to talk about Stacey Searles, who's going to be the offensive line coach. And if you guys don't know, of course, in the offseason, Chris Kapilovic did not return to Carolina. He was the offensive line coach and co-offensive coordinator for the Heels uh, since Seth Luttrell's department after the 2016 season. So he had been there. Uh, in that role for the last two seasons. He moves on now at Colorado, and we brought in Brandon Jones, the offensive line coach from Texas Tech. He ends up you know, being on the job for a couple of weeks. He was there a few weeks ago when Mac Brown introduced everybody during the Gonzaga game to the student section and, every, and all of the fans that were in attendance for that game. But he ends up going and taking a job as the offensive line coach with Dana Holgerson when he moves on from West Virginia and goes to Houston. So that job freed up. Stacy Searles, the offensive line coach at Miami, was let go as part of the entire offensive staff that was let go at Miami. Um, so he was a free agent, and it seemed like you know a good fit overall because Mac Brown had worked with them from 2011 to 2013. Um, you know the numbers for him not not. Flawless. He did have some issues uh, when it came to protecting the passer one year in specific, which was his first year in Austin. But, you know, he did have a couple of years where he was relatively successful. Um, you know, the 2012 season when Texas really did have a pretty good offense with David Ash. That was the one time that, you know, David Hash got or David, David Hash. No, uh, David Ash, <coughs> it is. Um, you know, went off and, and kind of established himself. I think we all remember that, where they thought he was going to be one of the better quarterbacks in college football, and that never really panned out. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you know, I, I think the numbers are, are relatively proven. The best thing about Stacey Searles, I mean, look at the guys that he's worked under. He worked under Nick Saban at LSU, worked under Les Miles at LSU, Mark Richt at Georgia, went and worked under Frank Beamer at Virginia Tech, and now is going to work under Mac Brown after working for him. Um, in you know that 2011 to 13 span that we just talked about. So when you see this, a guy like Stacy Searles who has as experienced of a background as he does, I mean, is this you know there there seemed to be some concern mostly from Miami fans who said that he did have some trouble protecting the passer. I mean, what did you think of the hire when you saw that he was officially going to be the new offensive line coach? I didn't mind it. I mean, I know Miami fans, you know, had concerns about their offensive line and the amount of sacks they allowed and all this other stuff. We also had a quarterback who failed to get rid of the ball on time and would hold the ball and get and take sacks. Um, look, this guy's coached with arguably the best coaches in the sport right. in his career. Les Miles, Nick Saban, Frank Beamer, now Mac Brown again. If he wasn't qualified, I don't think Mac Brown would have given him the phone call. Um, it makes a lot of sense because he's coaching the ACC, understands the footprint, the recruiting, the kind of offensive line play you have to have in this conference because it varies from conference to conference based on the style of plays like the Big 12. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit smaller because they play a lot faster. The SEC a little bit bigger because the defensive line is so big in that conference where this conference is a little bit different. Because you got you know Clemson on another another level because they're pretty much right. an SEC team in the ACC. Yep. And then everyone else is just you got some teams that play really really fast with so a little bit smaller, and you got some guys that really want to be a little bit bigger because they're gonna want to run the ball. So I, I think over time, you know, this offensive line graded out by Pro Football Focus not that bad in the ACC. Yeah. Whereas yeah. to you or my eyes, we didn't look that good on paper. So there's talent here, and I, I really think you know. The things at Miami, you know, he'll correct because I think Mac Brown, we're going to run a different offense a little bit, you know, so it's going to be a different offensive line play. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, overall, I thought the line was average, maybe a little bit above average. Um, you know, I really, I, I thought the the exterior of the offensive line was much better than the interior. Both William Sweet and Charlie Heck graded out pretty well, and I understand that. I thought they both had very good seasons. I think that Charlie Heck returning is huge. Of course, William Sweet will go to the NFL, but Charlie Heck is a guy that I really like, and I think they're going to keep him at right tackle. I wouldn't mind if they moved him to left tackle either to protect what will probably be the blind side of our quarterback this year, considering the three favorites at the quarterback position are right-handed quarterbacks. So I wouldn't mind seeing a move there. Again, I also thought Billy Ross was a guy that kind of evolved into his role and really played well, loved the body size on him. And then one of the interesting things that I saw, and this could be something to keep an eye on, Nick Polino might be moving to center this year, which I think could help him just a little bit. I think, you know, with the, you know, being a guard, having the, you know, to, to line up against some of these more athletic defensive tackles, or even at times having to take on five technique defensive ends in three, four systems. I think that really bothered him a little bit. You saw it early on in the season against a team that ran a three, four in Cal, and he really didn't have the greatest game. So maybe putting him at center, allowing him to kind of control what's going on on the offensive line, I think that might help him a little bit. And, you know, yeah, I, I mean, this offensive line overall, I think, does have some really good talent. I don't doubt that at all. And, uh, you know, I think at this point, you know, Searles is, is a veteran guy that can come in and really brings a, a lot to the table. And you mentioned it. I mean, he's coached for three uh, surefire Hall of Famers, right? I mean, Mac Brown's already in. Frank Beamer will be in. And Nick Saban, <laughs> I mean, he's the pinnacle of coaching in college football. And then Les Miles, I mean... He may end up eventually getting. He won 80% of his games in the SEC. He deserves to be the right. Hall of and Famer. he's coming back to Kansas. If he makes a if he makes a bowl game with Kansas, they should just stop it right there and put him in. That would yeah. be amazing. So you know he's coached under some unbelievable coaches. You know it's going to be interesting because look, he's going to be coaching an offensive line group that will now have to be prepared for an air raid offense. I think that might be a little bit interesting to see how he's able to handle that. But if he can handle that, and I think he might be able to, then we're going to be okay. But I'm with you. I think, you know, the higher overall was solid. I don't think it was overwhelmingly encouraging. It wasn't like we went out there and landed someone from Alabama or, or from Michigan staff that got let go. But overall, I, I thought it was a pretty good hire. So, I mean, when you look at the overall hires, and we'll go through them, you got Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. You'll have Robert Gillespie returning as the running backs coach. Wide receivers coach will be Lonnie Galloway, who comes over from Louisville. You have Tim Brewster, the tight ends coach and the recruiting coordinator, also the assistant head coach. He'll coach tight ends. So, um, you know, he's, he's done some sensational stuff already on the recruiting trail and easily one of the uh, – he's definitely a guy that fires fans up on, on Twitter. Uh, he does not he does not shy away from the trash talk. Offensive line coach like we just talked about, Stacey Searles. You head to the defensive side of the ball, you'll have co-defensive coordinators. Jay Bateman comes over from Army. He'll be a co-defensive coordinator and also coach safeties. You'll have Tommy Thigpen, who will be a co-defensive coordinator alongside Bateman, coach the linebackers. And then you'll bring along with him the defensive line coach, Tim Cross, who comes over from Air Force. Dre Bly comes in as the cornerbacks coach, of course. Uh, you know, a guy that was a former Tar Heel. 
kind of been in the Charlotte area for a while, has a pretty good recruiting footprint here already. And then you look at Scott Boone, who will come in as the special teams guy, as well as the outside linebackers coach, a couple other guys that will come in um, as the graduate assistants. Uh, I don't remember their exact name. Sparky Woods is one of them, and then I can't – I'm blanking on the other guy. But uh, they're, they're, they'll have two guys that will be special assistants to the head coach as well. Um, I mean, when you look at this group of guys that they're bringing in, I mean, you know, who was the hire to you that really excited you the most? This Mac Brown? Season? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, um, outside of Mac Brown. The Mac Brown hire. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to be – Play the game right here, okay? Um, Brewster because – you can just see the immediate impact he's had. You can tell this man has a lot of respect for Mac Brown. I mean, he left A&M to come here. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a big believer that A&M's a premier program, and I believe Jimbo Fisher is going to win big at that program. Right. And he left there, football, you know, a football state, a football school, to come be an assistant at a, at a, at a basketball school and a football program that's trying to build itself back up. Um, and he's done an immediate job on the recruiting trail. He's worked his ass off. He trolled NC State the night after we won over there in basketball. So that got a lot of love from the fans. So he's probably the clear-cut favorite because he's made the most immediate impact since he's been on campus because he got hired and went straight to work. So, um, And then probably second, I think Dre Bly, if, if the corners mm -hmm. actually are successful right. and we get better play in the secondary – because he's a Tar Heel, he's going to go a really long way with this fan base because we're that's something big with the basketball program. And, you know, and hopefully we can get that with the football program, even with a guy like Tommy Thigpen who did play here. Mm -hmm. If we get better play from the linebackers and the defense overall, then these are going to turn out to be really, really great, uh, great hires and then retainers by Mac Brown. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the best things really quickly, because I just kind of thought of this as you were saying this, you know, you look on the defensive side of the ball, and they've got two – defensive coordinators they're gonna have co-defensive coordinators remember we had co-offensive coordinators the last couple of years but here's what they do you get the co-defensive coordinator in jay bateman who comes in remember he's been a full-time defensive coordinator and he's gonna coach safeties but you have dre Bly back there who will coach cornerbacks but can also coach safeties if he needs to and then you're gonna have a similar situation with tommy thigpen who will also be the co-defensive coordinator. But alongside him, you'll have Scott Boone, who coached linebackers at Arizona. And remember, a couple of years ago when he was there, you know, they had a guy in Scooby Wright who, you know, kind of came out of nowhere and was a really great player, made all Pac-12, actually was an All-American at one time. So he's got somewhat of a proven track record as a linebackers coach. What they did there was they got guys around them that can help if needed if they have to focus on being a defensive coordinator. They never did that when they had co-offensive coordinators. They were always just relying on guys to handle two jobs at one time. So I think Mac Brown knows that and did a really great job of making sure that he got those right <coughs> hires in there. And, I mean, look at Scott Booney. He's going to handle special teams and coaching the outside linebacker. So he does a lot. Um, you know, the guy that I really like – you know, one that's probably not talked about a lot is Lonnie Galloway. I think he did a sensational job at Louisville. His track record is proven. He's coached in air raid offenses before. And, you know, he's already starting to show that he's had somewhat of an impact. He was the main recruiter at Louisville for Ty Murray, who ends up flipping his commitment to Carolina. I think he's really helping. And, I mean, I really think that 
he's going to make a difference in this wide receiving core. You know, they went out there, and right after Lonnie Galloway got hired, you know, they brought in Choffrey Brown. Emory Simmons flips his commitment back to Carolina. I really think that Lonnie Galloway has had a fantastic impact early on. And believe me, it's tough not to go with Tim Brewster because Tim Brewster is, I mean, he, he's got to get Tar Heel fans fired up. He, I don't think the man sleeps ever. He is literally always somewhere recruiting somebody. But Lonnie Galloway is just a guy that really excites me and I think can really bring some life back into this wide receiving core that, no offense, lacked a little bit last year, but is somewhat expected considering that Luke Paschal is still a very young coach. And I think going to UMass for Luke Paschal will be good for him. Coaching at a smaller school under Walt Bell, who's going to be a guy that is similar to him, actually coached under Larry Fedora, and, you know, is a young guy. I think he can build himself down there where, you know, at Carolina, it was just such a huge step up for him. Right after a guy in Gunter Brewer, who was a fantastic wide receivers coach, is doing a great job actually in Philadelphia with the Eagles right now in the NFL. And, you know, I think Lonnie Galloway can really re-energize this wide receiving group. But, um, yeah, no, I, I I really liked all the hires for, for the most part. I think one of the keys that we heard from everybody, and I think we believed it ourselves, was that the key to Mac Brown's second tenure in Chapel Hill was what kind of staff did he hire around him. And, I mean, I don't know about you. Uh, I'm pretty happy with the staff that he's got in place. Yeah, we all knew going in that <clears> – <throat> The staff he was able to bring in was going to be very important, mm-hmm. um, more so than it maybe it was when he was here the first time just because the game is completely different, the recruiting landscape is completely different, um, and he's he, he was a man of his word. He said, I'm going to hire a great staff, and that's what he did. Um, we don't know the details of their money. I would bet you that we're paying them a little bit better than we were paying when we had Butch Davis and Larry Fedora here. Oh, I'd be willing to bet that. Who, yeah. who, had, who had decent staffs, but to win at this level and the way he wants to win, look how much Clemson's paying their their coordinators. I'm not saying we got to fork out that kind of money, but if you want to have great coaches, you got to pay them what they're they're worth. And so I think we, you know, that was the first step and. Uh, you know, every guy that talked in the meeting talked about the respect they had for Mac Brown. Um, I'm not going to say the guys didn't respect Larry or didn't respect Butch, but they were never as open with the respect as they are for Mac Brown. A lot of the, you know, Dre Blah, this is his first big-time coaching job. You know, you're, you're at your alma mater. He's, uh, the only coaching job that he's had is, is as a high school defensive backs coach. He coached at Myers Park back in 2016. And so, yeah, no, but you're right. And, it, I mean, you could tell just how much it meant for him to get that opportunity. I mean, Tim Cross literally saying, you know, how great it is to work with Mac Brown. He gives him a chance at a big-time program, you know, something he never thought he would get. Yeah. And you hear Tim Brewster saying, look, I, you know, I left Texas A&M to work for this man because he's Mac Brown. I it's, wouldn't leave for anyone else. It's a lot like how the staff that Roy Williams has, how they feel about him, and then right. like even the guys that have even left, the you know they still feel the same way that it's an honor to work with a you know a Hall of Fame guy, the guy that knows how it what it takes to win mm-hmm. national championships and conference oh, yeah. championships. So I'm very impressed. The big key moving forward is can we retain them if yep. if, if there is success because we've we've always struggled with that since Mac Brown left when we've been decent or we win eleven games. Someone's leaving because someone's going to pay them more money because they did a really mm-hmm. good job with players that, you know, in the national landscape weren't very good. So that's going to be the thing is if if we are successful and we win 
you know, eight or nine games. Right. Some of these, like a Tim Cross, or like, you know, someone else, you know, if, if there's improved defensive play or the wide receiver position takes off right. again, someone's going to want that guy. So the question right. will be then, can we retain him? But, yeah, this staff is the probably the best staff we've seen as, as Tarheel football fans. Yeah, and one of the big things that they're doing right now is hitting the recruiting trail. And we'll kind of turn to this recruiting weekend that we just had. You know, we had a, a sizable group of guys on campus, most of them from the 2019 class taking their official visits. A lot of the late signing period targets, as you guys know, you have the early signing period. Carolina signed 19 players, six of them enrolled. We'll tell you a little bit about those guys later on in the show. Um, during a new segment that we'll do at the end. But, you know, I, I think one of the main things, you know, it seemed like all of the recruits that were on campus, especially the 2020 guys, really loved what they saw from Carolina. A guy in Moose Bahama that's been, you know, w- was offered by Larry Fedora. And, yes, the son of the former Carolina Panther wide receiver, Moosin Muhammad. Him, along with a defensive back, um, Keontae Jenkins, from uh, up in the – Chesapeake area of Virginia, and um, uh, I'm trying to pronounce his name right, Naki, I think it's Naki Meredith. There were three of them, uh, all of these guys, they were pretty much hanging out the entire visit, and they really seemed to love everything that they saw from Carolina. And that's huge, because a lot of these guys had been on campus before, and you didn't really see that with Larry. You saw guys that would go on campus and say, look, I'm visiting today, but that was really it. Meanwhile, after this one, you saw these guys wanting to post all these different pictures. Saw the same thing, Trenton Simpson, the outside linebacker from Mallard Creek High School right here in Charlotte. He seemed to really enjoy his visit as well. And, I mean, you've just, overall, you've just seen the landscape in just a few months change around Carolina. People really seem to be taking well to Mac Brown. And I think that showed this weekend. And then you get the flip of the offensive guard, Tyler, uh, or Ty Murray. Um, You know, he he ends up flipping from Louisville. Again, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, Lonnie Galloway was a guy that was really closely tied with him. Um, Stacey Searles did not, believe it or not, did not have a relationship with him. He was not offered by Miami, um, unless that just wasn't posted on any of the websites. Um, But clearly he established a good relationship with him really quickly. Um, I know Murray was really, you know, he, he really liked what he saw at the uh, new indoor facility that was opened and everything like that. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, that that was a big part of why he flipped. I think there might be some immediate playing time in there as well. Um, and, I mean, look, 6'4", 300 pounds, this, this is the type of size that you want to have on an offensive lineman, particularly an interior offensive lineman coming into college. I mean, this guy played all over the offensive line. He played center almost exclusively his senior year of high school. And Mac Brown told Inside Carolina earlier this week that he was still looking for that Jeff Saturday type center. This might be the guy later on down the line. And so it's huge to bring him in, adds another good guy to the class who now, you know, this class is up to 36th, according to 24-7 sports in the country. Remember, there was a time right after Larry Fedora left and we started seeing some guys decommit. This class got all the way to 91st in the nation, and now they are 36th. So what a fantastic turnaround. Um, one of the things, you know, I wanted to ask you this, and really this is something that we didn't see under Larry Fedora. You know, they really have focused on the defensive side of the football, especially late on, on in this class. The late signing period 
I think is really going to be focused on bringing in uh, some athlete, athletic linebackers, uh, a lot of athletic safeties as well, guys that can play sideline to sideline. That's pretty much what Jay Bateman's defense thrives off of. You know, is, is that, that's got to be refreshing, right? Because we've seen for so many years the defensive struggles from Larry Fedora, but he just hasn't recruited the talent or depth on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, that's always been the one thing that has plagued his team before the last two years. They had no problem putting 40 up on a given Saturday. Right. It was a problem of not giving up 40 that for we just, yeah. I mean, yep. I'm a, I love watching points, but like as a fan, I want to see my team stop somebody at some point. And for almost a decade, we never saw that. Um, you know, you, you look at some of the bowl games and stuff like that. You've seen these teams that run high, high-powered offenses. Texas, their defense shut down a Georgia team. Defense played great. You know, you looked at what right. Clemson did defensively to Alabama, not only on offense, but defensively just beat them up. We've never been deep, and we've never really been as physical as, you know, I think I, I want my team to be. Um, and, and the speed on, on this, you know, especially from the linebacker position hasn't been there since right. Rich Davis was here. And so hopefully we, we get back to seeing guys that can flow from one mm. side of the field to the other and make plays. And yeah, I mean, I'm really excited. I really think, you know, I think we're going to score like we're used to scoring, but I think we're going to get to that point where we're holding teams to 24 points and under and if Phil Longo's offense is half as successful as it was at Ole Miss, we're going to win a lot of ball games. Well, we put the I put the poll out earlier this month. Uh, I think it was actually back in December, but you probably you, you saw it, and there were some interesting questions in there. Uh, that was coming from you, so I really thank you on that, buddy. I uh, you know I think I'm a genius, you know, but uh, that that's that that's something for a different time, I guess. I mean, uh, but but one of the things, <laughs> and someone pointed this out, the fans said that they do think we will hold them to. 25 to 30 points a game this season, but that we will score 25 to 30 points this season. So apparently a, a lot of nail biters, um, like one of the guys pointed out on Twitter, um, you know, I would love to get back down underneath that 30 point mark because each of the last two seasons we have been above that. So, um, you know, I, I think if they can get back into that area and look, you're not going to be able to stop teams. I mean, trust me, there are a few teams out there that are able to hold teams under 20 points. It's only a handful. I think this year, if I remember correctly, it was, I think, around 16, maybe 15 teams in the entire country that held opponents to under 20 points a game. So the game of football has just changed. You know that people are going to put up points on you. They're going to put up yards on you. But, you know, we got to get back to what we saw. At, at least we got to get back to what we saw under Gene Chizik. If you're going to let up yards, you have got to create turnovers. The turnovers disappeared from this team it, starting in the 2016 season, which was Gene Chizik's last year. Um, and it was shocking. One interception the whole season. And that really, we've never recovered from that. You know, we need to be that team that can force turnovers if we're not going to stop you. Or you, you got to be that team that says, hey, look, you're not going to run or throw on us. You know, we're, we're, we're going to slow you down. I mean, yeah, you, you got to limit the points to a certain extent in one way or the other. So they, they got to figure that out. And, you know, this you know, Jay Bateman looks for these athletic guys. Again, he hasn't always thrived off of turnovers, but I'll tell you one thing about his Army teams. They do not miss a lot of tackles. They know where they have to be, and they know that, look, wherever I'm at, I better take the right angle and make the tackle. Because if I don't, then I'm going to pay for it. 
And, you know, that's the kind of mindset that you have to take here. And look, you know, that's why you want to start getting some of this, this depth going. You know, we've had to leave some of these guys out on the field the last few seasons because, honestly, the guys behind them aren't experienced enough to come in. If you can start to build that experience and that depth, then you can say, look, man, you've had a bad game. We're going to pull you off and put someone else in there and see if we can get a guy that's playing a little bit better than you that, that fits this defense just a little bit more. So so I'm interested to see, you know, if they can start getting some of those guys that can cover those those sideline to sideline areas that, that you need your linebackers to cover, especially in the ACC and especially whenever we play Pittsburgh. I am tired of that jet sweep working against us. We've seen that for how many years? That game right there will probably show you whether or not there's been a change on this defense. Um, you know, when you look at the late signing period, there are going to be a few positions of need, mostly on the defensive side of the football. I think now with Murray being picked up at the offensive guard position, I think the offense is pretty much set in stone. We don't need a quarterback, running back, loaded, wide receiver. It, we're, we're stacked there as well. Um, brought in four wide receivers in the early signing period. So those seem to be off the table. Tight end as well because Brandon Fritz returning. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. And then they add Kamari Morales to the group as well. So really, I guess, when you look at the defensive side of the football, what is the area that you think Carolina really needs to focus on in this late signing period? Or maybe what is that area that you think they need to bring someone in before they close this class down on February 6th? <clears throat> Got to get uh, bigger, faster, stronger, deeper in the back seven. I saw the, the projected or the, the amount of people we can have in our front four. I saw one of these guys put it out today, and there's a very long list of capable players. So I, you know, But really, you want depth in the trenches – on both sides. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, I think the linebacker position needs an overhaul. You're losing your most sure tackler in Cole Holcomb, who was a walk-on. So, right. you know, Johnson Smith hasn't been what he was supposed to be. And some of the other guys, right. you know, really since Shotburn, Shaquille Rashad, we've just haven't been very strong at that position. Right. And then the back seven, you know, whether it's because we are going to play a different style, you're going to recruit that style of player now. Um, with the aggressiveness at the corner, and then you know the, the more hybrid safety. Yeah, that's going to be one of the things we're definitely going to so, see. So, so that's where I think you'll see the them them target the most because we are looking to bring in a different type of player at those two positions than what we had for the last seven or eight years. Yeah, safety I think is is going to be that spot. The guy to keep an eye on is Don Chapman, who comes out of San Diego, California. Um, you know, he's going to be a guy that I think really fits what Jay Bateman likes to do. Athletic guy. You know, a guy that can kind of play, you know, either either that safety role or come up and play that linebacker role that Jay Bateman's going to like from his hybrids. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that's one of the areas because you look at the safety position now and there are not many guys left with J.K. Brick graduating um, and, and there's some walk-ons that graduated back there as well. The, the back, really the back four, that secondary is really thin now with depth. Really thin. I mean... You're talking pretty much Miles Dorn, Miles Wolfolk, and who was the I, I don't I'm blanking on who the other person was at the moment on that back seven. But I mean, you, you know, they're going to have to they're going to have to do something back there at that safety position, especially because you know that that safety position is not going to disappear. Yeah, you're going to turn one of them into a hybrid. But let's be really honest. 
I mean, Larry Fedora didn't list it as a hybrid position, but pretty much Donnie Miles and J.K. Britt were used mostly as run-stopping safeties. These guys weren't the greatest, you know, the greatest in pass coverage. I mean, I thought J.K. Britt was an improvement, not by much. Um, the other guy's going to be DJ Ford. That's right. He got some experience this year as well. But I mean, you know, I'm just looking at it. Then you're going to start to get to guys like Graham Euclid, who was a junior college transfer last year, didn't play for most of this year for Carolina, may have played a, a little bit of a role on special teams. And then uh, Drew Homshack, who was a walk-on from Wake Forest High School in, in North Carolina, but wasn't a guy that received an offer. I don't even think he was a preferred walk-on. So you're going to have to move some of the other guys, too. I think Javon Terry was a guy that can play either corner or safety, so they might have to move him back. And, you know, there's they're going to have to be some other guys. I mean, Greg Ross, I know, played it a little bit in, in high school. I think he was a safety, and he he could lay, lay the boom in high school. Now, we've seen him at corner. You know, the results are hit or miss. You know, he had some moments where he looked good. He had some moments where he really struggled. Um, but you know, if, if they had had to end up moving them, I don't think that would necessarily be the worst thing, but that's why I think it's so important. And a guy like Don Chapman, I think could really ease some of the concern back there, you know, and that's one of the areas. And again, linebacker, I'm with you because I said that before last season, you remember me saying that linebacker depth is going to be a concern. And, you know, you bring in, uh, Kadri Jackson, to this group, the outside linebacker, he'll come in. And then I know they're bringing in as well, uh, one of the guys that enrolled early is Parks Cochran, who comes from uh, IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. But he's going to be a preferred walk-on as well. He doesn't end up getting a scholarship, so it's like, okay, well, what are we really getting in these guys? And, you know, I, I think ultimately th there is – enough there. I, I wouldn't be overly concerned at linebacker. I'd be a little more concerned at safety because you can barely fill out the two deep at this point. But yeah, I, I, I'd say y that that safety position is the place you got to get, but don't be shocked if they do go and bring in a linebacker. So, um, you know, I think at, from there, you know, we'll, we'll get to see some of these guys probably on display. Maybe even some of these guys, uh, you know, that, that will, be uh you know that that have already enrolled we'll see some of the guys uh that sign in the late signing period they're gonna have to wait until the fall to get on campus so you won't see those guys that we were just talking about a minute ago but the spring game officially announced for april 13th back in keenan stadium the first time they're going to be in keenan since 2016 as you know of course 2017 they had to play it in fetzer because they were working on keenan and then 2018 they just didn't have a spring game so um, you know, I think there's going to be a little excitement to be back in the seats at Keenan, be able to watch a little bit of football in April, something we haven't really done in a while. And of course, Mac Brown has said he wants to turn this into an event. I mean, you know, I'm pretty excited. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be excited to go out there and potentially see some of these great battles work themselves out in the spring game or maybe not work themselves out. A lot of these battles, I feel like will extend over into fall camp, but You'll get to see, you know, what the true freshman Sam Howell has and, you know, that quarterback battle should still be right in the thick of things when that spring game rolls around. You would imagine that there'll be some battles at the wide receiver position and the entire defense, I think, is pretty much almost up for grabs, maybe outside of a couple defensive line spots. So, you know, is, is there some excitement, at least from your perspective, when it comes to the fact that the spring game will be back this year and in Keenan Stadium? 
Yeah, and, and I'm, I might be wrong about this. Don't think I am because I'm hardly ever wrong. Wow. I Dude, think... the arrogance in this podcast. By the way, we are just joking about this. We we do not think that we are the uh, we, we are the greatest things to walk this earth and in, in, when it comes to Carolina. Athletes. I think if Mac Brown was to <laughs> vision what this would look like, and in my head when I heard he wanted to turn this into an event for recruiting and the fans, he wants to mirror what we have with Late Night with Roy, where it's you 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 know you're kind of even though it's not this won't kick off the season, but you're going to be in the 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 stadium where we play. And it's just going to be fun. Like, I know under Larry, it was kind of, you, you didn't know how they were keeping score. You didn't, it, it was it Please was Please tell me they are going back to, the, Mac, if you listen to this podcast by any chance, which is no chance in hell. Please go back to the regular scoring because no one in this on this planet could keep up with what the scoring was for Larry Fedora. He... Dude, wasn't there one point where he ju- just gave out points if he thought they made a good play or something like that? I mean, it's just it made no sense. So that's what I think he's hoping for. On Ugh. a, on, you know, you hope it's great weather because you can right. show off the recruit. Look, this this is what Chapel Hill is when the sun is shining mm-hmm. and it's seventy degrees and the the wind's blowing. Uh, make it fun for the fans with like you know probably like a fan fest and like maybe a chance for us to interact with the coaches and the players even before Meet the Heels, which would be later in this in the year. But that's what I think is his ultimate goal is to just make it for people like you and I if we drive two and a half hours, make it worth our time. Right. Because before then, it was never really worth our time to drive two and a half hours because we didn't know how close we were going to get to the action whether we were going to see battles, you know, and look, maybe, yeah, you have the spring game, but you also do like some, just some fun competitions. Like, you know, the, the late night, they have the skills competition or they play right. just, you know, some stupid games or make the players dance, just make it fun for the little kids. And, you know, for the people that are there to work also just to enjoy their time there. Um, and I think that's what it'll evolve to because I think you understand how impo- how important recruiting is. So anything you can make it to advance recruiting, he's going to. So I think the spring game is going to be a success in many different ways. Yeah, you know, I, I think definitely having it back in Keenan and everything like that will, will definitely liven it up a little bit. You know, I want to see him return to, you know, some of the spring games that they had early on in the Larry Fedora era. And even in that 2016 season where, you know, look, yeah, you're out here playing a game, but at the same time, it's a scrimmage. Have a little bit of fun with it. When you score a touchdown, let's, you know, let's do some dances in the end zone. Let's have a little fun with it because the referees are not – you know, clearly they're going to throw pass interference flags and everything like that because they're going to try to make it as realistic as possible. But at the same time, look, you're out here to have a little bit of fun as well. It's the end of spring camp. And, and, you know, come out here and show what you got while, you know, having a little bit of fun with your teammates. That's going to be the key. And, you know, I'm kind of with you. Make it a, a lively environment for the fan base. You know, if, if the fan base can show out and really have a good showing there, that would be encouraging. I mean, trust me. No one's expecting that the stadium is going to be full. It, it, it almost never happens in some of the big-time college football areas like Ohio State, Nebraska. Okay, Nebraska, they live and breathe football. Literally, they don't do anything else out there. Football and corn, that's the only thing they do out in Nebraska. So, you know, I, I don't expect it to be packed to the brim. But at the same time, you know, it would be nice to see Keenan full again. You know, this one, I wouldn't be shocked if, 
one of the ESPN networks picks it up just because it is Mac Brown as well. And you're going to have a guy in Sam Howell, a, a good, pretty good quarterback race that I think will be talked about because of Howell, because he was a four-star recruit. So, you know, I think there will be a really good chance to, you know, get Carolina back in the spotlight here just a little bit, even coming off a two and nine season. Maybe that's the chance to show out. And I think it could end up being a really great event. So, um, anything else you want to you want to talk through before we uh, we hit this uh, new segment that we're going to do at the end here? No, I'm good. All right, man. So we turn to what we're going to call the 40-yard dash. I got to give you credit on this. You were the one that did come up with the name of this because the name that we had before w w was was not good. Was terrible. Was terrible. So you came up with the 40-yard dash. We're just going to kind of run through the other storylines that we got going on for the Carolina football team, some of the, you know, loose ends that really, you know, didn't maybe didn't deserve an entire segment, but still deserve to be talked about just a little bit. Um, and we'll start Malik Carney uh, and Cole Holcomb, two team, two former Tar Heel players, excuse me, that are going to the NFL um, because both of those guys, of course, did graduate. They began uh, Shrine Bowl practices today. Uh, I uh, saw Joe Marino was writing some reports from out there. Uh, one of the great guys that covers the draft. Um, right, He actually lives right here in Charlotte and does a great job covering most of the ACC and SEC teams. And he was down there uh, watching both the East and West practice out there in St. Petersburg. Um, he did not mention either Malik Carney or Cole Holcomb from what I could see, but um, you know, these guys, of course, both getting underway. The Shrine Bowl or, or the Shrine Game, excuse me, Shrine Bowl is the high school game that they play down in Spartanburg. The Shrine Game, um, you know, probably the second most well-regarded of the, what am I, I what, what, what would we call these? I guess like pre-draft bowls because you got the Senior Bowl, of course, um, it, down in Mobile, Alabama, and then the Shrine Bowl, which is in St. Petersburg. So both of those guys got their invitations and accepted them. And uh, they started those practices today. Um, the new indoor practice facility, of course, over opened over the weekend. And they will be able to use that for the entirety of spring practice. Now, the outdoor field that they're going to use uh, has not been finished at the time. So they, unfortunately, are going to have to use Keenan again for a little while. They do expect that to be built, um, hopefully, by the time that fall camp rolls around. But they don't think it's going to be fully ready for spring camp. So... There still will be some practices, mostly the outdoor ones uh, in Keenan, but I think a lot of the stuff will be done indoors this year um, as opposed to, you know, every practice being in Keenan, tearing up the turf. And we saw, you know, how bad the turf looked towards the end of the season. You know, the other day they showed the turf that they had rolled out for the uh, junior day and the uh, official visits, and it looked pretty good. Keenan looked uh, pretty good. So the grounds crew doing a great job there. Um, it'll help that they don't have to practice there uh, for the entire season. Brandon Fritz officially announces that he will return to Chapel Hill. He, he announced that on Tuesday night. So that means the Carolina will return all their scholarship tight ends from last year. Also add Kamari Morales. Uh, Fritz, a guy that, you know, really just 47 receptions, 439 yards so far in his career. But he does have eight career touchdowns. So add a red zone threat back to the group. Tar Heels do lose 
two uh, two players that really you know didn't have too much experience. They both transferred to FCS programs. Offensive lineman Tyler Pritchett announced that he will transfer to Jacksonville State. Played a little bit last year, not a ton at offensive guard, and also saw some time at center uh, when there were some injuries to starting center J.J. McCargo and then the backup center Jonathan Troll. And Caleb Rosar, that's one that really hurts, though. A guy that really, you know, he hadn't played really his entire career. Maybe saw some uh, a few snaps on special teams, but was a guy that was expected to be in the hunt for a backup safety spot. He ends up transferring. He's going to go to Alabama State. And there are six guys that will enroll early and will participate in uh, spring camp seven if you count uh, Parks Cochran who comes in the preferred walk-on who will join the group Emery Simmons the uh, the three-star wide receiver uh, from Southview High School will uh, right here in North Carolina he will be one of the guys on campus Storm Duck who comes from Boiling Springs High School uh, down in South Carolina he will also be with the group Sam Howell of course the four-star Pro-style quarterback will come in. He'll immediately begin his battle with Cade Fortin and Jace Reuter. You'll have Wyatt Tunall, the uh, offensive tackle, uh, big, tall, lengthy guy that played at Chester High School who just won their state championship in the state of South Carolina. Um, Kadri Jackson, he'll come up from Windermere Prep in Windermere, Florida, and he's expected to be one of those guys that will play either outside linebacker or could slot into that hybrid spot. So a big guy to get in there early and get a little bit of experience in that Jay Bateman defense under his belt. And then Brant Lawless, of course, the guy that was in the 2018 class, signed with Tennessee, then asked for his release last July. Of course, we all remember, tried to enroll at Carolina last year, unfortunately wasn't allowed to. He enrolls this year, and now he will be a full participant in uh, spring camp. And this is a I mean, big-bodied guy at the defensive tackle position, a space eater, something that we really haven't had inside. And, yes, so while he won't have that much experience, there is a lot of talent there. Former four-star, so we'll see exactly what he can do. Any other loose ends you want to tie up there, buddy? I think I'm good for the night. All right, man. So, uh, as always, you guys can follow him on Twitter at JoshuaMarlow5. Go ahead and check out the Roy's Boys podcast. Uh, that one, just about the same spots that you can find this podcast. This one, you can find Spreaker, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn.com, or the TuneIn app. That one, you can find Spreaker, iTunes, uh, Spotify, as well as, uh, as not iHeartRadio yet, um, but... Uh, what? I'm blanking on the other one that we had it on. Uh, was there another one? I thought. What did you say? I had iHeartRadio, Spot. What a what a finish to the show, by the way. Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And then was there not another one? Maybe we're just. No, I think that's it. I think we're overthinking it. So there you go. We'll probably just delete this part out of the podcast, but we may leave it in because. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're far from professionals when it comes to this. But you guys can subscribe to that. Go ahead to, uh, you know, go check out Medium.com. Got the Heel Tough blog. That's the blog that I write about Carolina football. We'll have some great stuff going on up there. Going to write a little bit more about Tyler Pritchett and Caleb Rosar transferring um, out of Carolina. And then we'll continue to keep you updated on anything that goes on when it comes to the late signing period. Got, you know, a list of guys to keep an eye on in the late signing period up there. Also, if you want to go back and 
check out uh, you know the the article on uh, Sam Howell and his performance at the uh, under or excuse me the U.S. Army All-American game. Uh, we are trying to get Ross Tucker, who uh, covered the game for NBC, um, on the podcast. We'll see if we can't get him on to talk a little bit about our future quarterback and see what he thinks about his potential future and whether or not he can get in. Uh, to Chapel Hill and potentially win the job with him coming in in spring. And uh, you can check out the Roy's Boys uh, blog as well. you got some great stuff going on there as we go throughout the season. Of course, he'll continue to preview um, and recap games. There'll be some other feature articles, especially when we get around that time when we play the Duke Blue Devils. You know, there are going to be some great feature articles on that about that fantastic rivalry. So I want to thank you guys for listening as always. And remember, as always, go Tar Heels! (laughs) 